Hey, Josue here, coming to you from the future. This is an updated version of this episode. I'm coming back to add a little something here at the beginning, because after publishing this episode, it was brought to my attention that use of the term guidance counselor to refer to a school counselor is not okay. The guidance counselor term is outdated, and it's not used anymore, and the profession does not appreciate it. It's trying to stay away from that, and that kind of thing is really important to me. I'm actually very disappointed that I didn't know this myself, so I used the term guidance counselor many times in this episode, and I will never do it again, but I just wanted to put this here before this episode, wanted to update it, and make sure that you keep that in mind in the future. Again, it was brought to my attention, I researched it, and I'll be talking a lot more about why that matters and why it matters to me on next week's episode. This is the Geek Therapy Podcast. Join Lara Taylor and me, Josue Cardona, as we celebrate how geek culture is saving the world. Currently, we're focusing on a geek therapy library. The library is designed to help fans communicate through their favorite movies, books, and games. It's a resource for therapists, teachers, and parents to find a way to work with or talk about important things through awesome content. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Geek Therapy. What's up, Lara? Nothing much. I've got I, I've got a lot to talk about. I so. know I know you do. You're very excited. I am very excited. <laughs> so so first of all, last week was a disaster. I didn't have notes, but now I am ready. You didn't have notes, but we still had a lot to talk about. And we did publish three episodes, like I had said the week prior. Oh no, you're you really you really did, huh? I did. I did. Yep. Take that, Jedi Council. And oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it happened. Technically there there were both interviews. One was a headshots interview that was originally a geek therapy interview. Doesn't matter. It happened. So we're closer it's to one hundred. It is they are episodes and now we're closer to one hundred. <gasps> I've already got a thing. I'm so you excited. Have a, you have a thing. Yeah. Possibly no one else will care, but I could not be more excited. But I'm not gonna tell you what it is. <laughs> All right. So, and t- on today's episode, we're gonna do we're gonna cover four things. I have an announcement. I have a question for you. I want to recap. What? Yep, yep, yep. Questions for you. I want to recap my C two E two convention experience this weekend, and then which, from what I have have heard on the internet, it was awesome. You'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the end, we'll wrap up with more thirteen reasons why talk. So. We're Content never going to stop talking about that show. We may never stop talking about that show, actually. But yeah. you finally watched it. You watched the whole thing. Since I watched the whole thing. And yeah, yeah, I would not suggest doing that. I, I think that everyone who finishes watching that series needs at least um, one podcast worth of, of decompressing. Yeah. So so we'll do that at the end. So content warning, we, you know, we will be talking about suicide with 13 Reasons Why and... Um, your usual mental health issues, depression, anxiety throughout. All right, first announcement. We have a brand new show on the Geek Therapy Network. Woo! <laughs> it's called Geeks that and was Family. Real, that was not planned. It was. No, for... no, no. But it, <laughs> but it was appreciated. And the show is called Geeks and Family Therapy, GFT for short. And it is longtime listener, Kat, whom I met at New York Comic Con a while back. And it was so great. I mean, I mentioned her on the show once where we, I mean, right off the bat, she was talking about something mental health related and she explained mm-hmm. it with a Yu-Gi-Oh reference and it was, it was fantastic. It was. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so she had a uh, very good feedback for us, which was like, you know, I feel that you guys don't talk about family issues enough or family therapy enough. And the show is uh, none of us are really, we're not really family therapists, right? That's right. That's right. So. Yep. So I leave I that love, to the professionals. That's right. And I love her <laughs> response. She was like, you know what? I'm going to make a show about it. Good. So Kat and Leah are our hosts on that show. And Kat is a family therapist in Pennsylvania. And Leah is a caseworker in New York. And so you know they see all sorts of stuff. And Kat does in home family therapy, which I used to do. And Ooh, they got stories, and Leah has a media psychology degree, so they're not only looking at mental health and and you know family therapy like in in isolation. They're also looking at it in terms of social work, and they're looking at media as in you know things that are going viral and what's going on on YouTube and what are kids watching and what are parents thinking. 
It's good stuff. This week's episode was on video game addiction, and we can never talk too much about video game addiction. No. So we welcome, can't. GFT. Welcome. I'll put links to that in the show notes. They've got two episodes out already. They bet they're not catching up to us. They are not going to hit 100 before we do. No. Definitely not. <laughs> Nobody will. Um, okay. And now I have a question for you. Okay. So over the weekend, I saw the news that Fate of the Furious beat mm-hmm. Star Wars The Force Awakens weekend opening. Are you serious? I, I would not lie about something like this. It beat it by you 3 million. You would lie, but not about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it beat it by 3 million. So I've been thinking lately about, am, am, am I getting old? Am I out of touch? Am I, am I focusing on the wrong things? What are people into now? And I just, I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's a huge deal. And I, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Star Wars. I know, I know, I know, because I'm always talking about like how everybody's seen Star Wars. And over the weekend, I was talking to O'Connor, and he said that he's asked in his classes, and he's had the experience where half of his students have never seen a Star Wars film. And this is at the college level. So they're, you know, they're probably in their 20s. Mm-hmm. That's surprising to me. My coworkers' kids have not watched all the Star Wars movies. I think they, the one, the older one, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's 12 or 13 hmm. he fell asleep yeah listen i <laughs> that is the, not i've i've been saying that for a while i mean if you grew up with the original trilogy then the younger like, yes. one she really wanted to watch all of it though just yeah. saying i mean i even yeah well i'm not gonna get into this now but i've been you know so so like fate of the furious and then i looked up the the domestic um, so only in the U.S. And only in the U.S., it did not do more opening weekend than than Star Wars did, than, than Force Awakens did. So, so it's, it, you know, international play is a big part of this. But it was still, yeah. it was still huge. And apparently, um, this, is, this is Fast and the Furious 8. Uh, Fast and the Furious 7 won, I mean, made, I think, 50 million more on opening weekend than this one did. So these movies are are huge, and I haven't seen the last five. I saw mm-hmm. one and two, and so I just wanted to like you're working with younger people are are they into it? Are you th- because I know the movie deals a lot with like has this idea of family and and they're a lot of fun, but are we are we out of touch? What are what are what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't watched. I think I might have watched. I skipped Tokyo Drift, but I think I watched some after that. Um, I don't know. There's um, what's the other movie? I took my client uh to see Triple X. What was it in, in January? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean Vin Diesel. So. It's all the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I I had never seen a triple X movie until I saw that. Um, I don't know why I hadn't. I used to really like just action movies like that, and that one has a lot to do with family and and creating your own family um, in it too. But uh, I had no desire to see this latest fast in the fears but it's all my what my co-workers were talking about too so really okay yeah. okay and That's they're they're in their 30s so yeah yeah which is you know something to think about again i'm i'm all for you know if you're working with with kids or teenagers adults anybody whatever they're into i mean you know if we show interest in that we can get somewhere because you oh, never yeah. know what stories are resonating um with audiences with individual people but I don't know. Again, that that really surprised me. It's the international audience that is, you know, that pushed it over over the Force Awakens. But you know, this is gonna stay. You know, because I I think that I'm watching the thing that is most relevant, right? Like right now, I feel like I'm missing out on particular conversations that may be happening because it was it's it's the most viewed movie in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
and I don't want to jump into eight without having seen the ones I haven't I haven't seen. Yeah. So so I'm I'm definitely it's on my list of things to do over the next couple of weeks because I want to catch up and I wanna I want to see what people are talking about. But um, this is one of the first times where I like I didn't see it coming. I think and and I wonder if that's if it was really surprising or if it was just like I wasn't I was incorrectly not paying attention to that. I don't know. My focus, I don't know. I'm going to keep saying that. My focus right now is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yes. That's that's next week. And I'm definitely going to see that Thursday night. (laughs) But I'm absolutely sure that that movie is not going to beat Fast and the Furious. Fate of the Furious in particular. Yeah. That that could be true. That could that could be true. I'm, pr- I'm pretty. Although sure. although with Star Wars, I had to for Force Awakens. I sat and waited in line for four hours before the movie, um, so that I could get in. And there were so many people. I didn't. I don't. I went to a movie theater this last weekend, and I did not see that many people there. So. Well, again, just because um, Fate of the Furious fans aren't necessarily... They're not as, crazy, as crazy fanatics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I'm going to wait four hours, you know? Um, it yeah. doesn't mean there weren't many, many oh, people Oh, I'm sure who... there's probably many, many people. Obviously, it made a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I kind of I kind of just wanted to, to bring that up. Um, I think it's a big deal, and, and I don't want us to, to ignore it. I'm not ignoring no. it. That's the point. Yeah. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about the weekend. Had a, a panel at C2E2, which is the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, I think. I think so, so too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, I think it's a read pop uh, event. So the same people who do New York Comic Con. It was a lot of fun. And O'Connor, uh, Patrick O'Connor, who, who friend of the show, he, he submitted a panel and, it was on the value of mental illness. Essentially, the the idea behind it was what does some sort of – I don't like the name, by the way. I don't like putting <laughs> mental illness in the title. <laughs> that, I, I, that's, I knew you were going to have something to say about oh, that. Oh, yeah, and I said it on the panel too. <laughs> um, but the idea is what would happen to a superhero if they like, – like, so a lot of superheroes have this traumatic origin story. What would happen if they went and got help and – felt better about it, hmm. would they still be superheroes? Kind of that discussion. That was the idea behind it. I was there. I don't think we did a good job of addressing that particular question. <laughs> but overall, it was really great because along awesome. the way, uh, the creative team on Marvel Silk um, joined the panel. So the writer, Robbie Thompson, and the artist, Tana Ford. And I got to talk to both of them before the panel Oh man, they're so great. They are so so great. And we talked about we talked about a few really interesting things about the character of Silk. We we talked about her on the show, but um, the Silk is a Spider Man like character. She was her name is Cindy Moon, and she was actually bit by the same spider that Peter Parker was. But then somebody found out, and they're after her. And her parents lock her in a bunker to protect her. So they because they don't want her to be uh, you know taken or used for experiments by these people. Mm-hmm. Along the way, her parents disappear for some reason, so she ends up locked up in that bunker for ten years. So she's she's there. She has TV. She has food and water. So she's okay, but she's all alone, and she has like this window into the world. What which is TV. food and water does she have that lasts ten years? I don't know. I don't know the kind, <laughs> the kind that you fill bunkers with. Um, I, I, talking to, to Robbie, I found out that I was reading volume two essentially and not volume one or volume one and not volume zero. So I may be missing some details here. And I, Mm -hmm. I read the story where she comes out of the bunker. This happens in the amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man, but that was a couple years ago. So my details may be a little bit off, but she's definitely alive (laughs) at the end of 10 years. (laughs) And so she comes out and she, she doesn't know where her family is. She doesn't know where her parents are. She doesn't know where her brother is. One of the um, great things about the story is that Silk, uh, Cindy, she goes and sees a therapist throughout her run. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I wasn't sure of, and I I asked Robbie about it, um, because some, some issues seemed like 
the the internal monologue that she's having that all superhero comics have or most superhero comics have, right? Those right. thought bubbles that are narrating the story from a first person, you realize at some points in the issues where she's actually narrating her day to the therapist. Hmm. So then I asked him about that, and he told me something that was super obvious that I had not noticed, which is that when she's talking to the therapist, there are quotation marks around the words. And when there aren't, it's her just thinking to herself. So this is happening throughout the series. So she's, and she's, you know, continuously going through, going to see this therapist. I wanted to know why, why, you know, Robbie wrote it this way. And this is, this is um, so cool. He said that, you know, to him, a hero, like the real heroes in his life were therapists. He said that he had gone, he's been seeing therapists for years and they're such an important part of his life and that his father was a therapist and his mom was a nurse. So he constantly saw, um, you know, people in these positions helping other people and he heard stories, you know, from his father. So a lot of that influenced the way that he wrote this story. And, you know, it comes through and I thanked him and I, I'm th- I'll thank him every time I see him and every th- time it comes up because it was so good. I told him about hashtag mental health rep. It's still oh. not catching on. You and I are still the only people using it online. It's okay. It's okay. But yeah. people should use it. If you're listening, use it. <laughs> and I told him about it. And and it's so exciting to to know that, you know, he did that with intention. And he told me that Marvel was absolutely great about it. He said that one of his editors, when he handed in an issue that where, where Cindy didn't go see the therapist, he asked about it. He's like, wait a minute. Hey, uh, Cindy didn't see her therapist this issue. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> so So they were incredibly supportive over there, according to Robbie. And that was so great. And he talked about a little bit about this on the on the panel. And the the panel kind of focused on mental health in general. We we were a little late in doing a trigger warning, but Liz um, Smith, who's been on the show, uh, she was she she set that up early on. Um, we had the the creative That's team. That's good. Someone was paying attention. Gosh, was way. Yeah, I know. I know. I dropped the <laughs> ball on that one. It was starting to bother me, but she it bothered her more. And then one of the cooler things was that um, someone else who was on the panel with us, uh, he was a former student of O'Connor's, and his name is Joe, and he was dressed up in Azrael Batman cosplay. That's the... I the, saw pictures. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Like, you have no idea, right? So, so when Batman, uh, when Bane broke Batman's back and he was paralyzed in the 90s, the... Um, this guy named Azrael kind of takes over the mantle and he comes out and he's using Batman's costume, but then he changes uh, into this new costume. And like to me, that was the coolest thing and it's still the coolest Batsuit I've ever seen. And to see somebody cosplaying with it, in it, oh, was so cool. And Joe said it took him years of planning and, 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 and years to make it. And it looked very, very cool. And I think his, his intention was to change before the panel. But then I started, I wanted pictures and other people wanted pictures. And we were like across from the bathroom. He just had to walk 10 feet to change, but he didn't get a chance. So he actually came onto the, <laughs> onto the panel uh, in full cosplay. It was very cool. He did take uh, the helmet off, but it was um, very cool. So, so we talked um, about a few different things about how if a superhero, you know, what would happen if a superhero actually kind of lost the effects of the original trauma, would they continue to be a superhero? And we kind of went back and forth. I think the consensus mm-hmm. was that, you know, some people might be helpers anyway, you know, in some other capacity. Um, we also brought up examples of, you know, different ways to be a hero. I, I mentioned how, you know, the Hulk, we, we equate him with being very angry, but that now we have the totally awesome Hulk who loves his job and loves being the Hulk. You know, it's mm-hmm. not Bruce Banner. It's a very different origin story, very different um, way of doing the same thing, essentially. And we, we touched on a few other things. We touched on um, how... Well, we talked a lot about Silk, actually, <laughs> because they were there. And um, so so one thing that Tana brought up, which is fantastic, is that she tried to make very realistic, relatable characters as as Cindy's support group. So even though she doesn't have her family, she does have the therapist, but she also has friends at work. Mm-hmm. And her friends are gay and of color 
and they are they talk like real people and they're not just there for you know comedic effect and they're real friends and they always ask her how she's doing and we talked about how important it is to have a support group and and how great it is that that's portrayed in the book and again all these things were done intentionally and and i just love that 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 that's presented that way and cindy is also is also of color so you know female superhero of color very diverse um cast and Again, just all this, these positive things. Like it's a, it's a Spider Man like story. She has Spider Man like powers. She, there's there are villains. There are goblins. <laughs> you know, it's very. I much was going to say book. there are villains. What? Yes, yes. They're very. They're they're. It's, it's very much a comic book. Very much a Marvel story. But it is. You know, it has a lot of things that are. I think are very special and are are new. You know, Cindy is still a very new character. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we got some really good questions, some good Q&A. That's and always good. Some panels, yeah. the Q&A is kind of eh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, actually, um, so today, well, the day we're recording, uh, Comic Book Resources did a, an article on our panel. I saw that. That's eh. exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was really cool. Um, you know, just, again, mental health rep. Get get the word out there, and it was they kind did of, not put that in the article. They did not, and but one thing. So they mentioned there was a part where I mentioned that I I like to teach about anxiety um, using Spider Man Spider Sense, right? Mm-hmm. That it's very much the same thing. You know, anxiety is is supposed to be a warning sign for us. It's a system yeah. to let us know that there's some danger coming. Very much like uh, spiders, uh, Spider Man's Spider Sense, <laughs> and. The way it was written in the article originally was <laughs> was kind of weird, and I didn't like it. So I actually got back to them, and they already corrected it. So by the time this what? comes out, yeah, the the article will be. I'm not I'm not completely angry with the with the article, <laughs> with the way okay. uh, things were quoted. Some things aren't there aren't exactly how they happened, but I'm good that the article is out there and somebody's. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rewrite the article article for him. We're, we're talking about it here now. Mm-hmm. It was. Overall, it was a really good panel. Lots of good stuff uh, was brought up. And, and the Q&A was fantastic. So here's some of the questions that were asked. Uh, one was um, someone asked, they said that they tend to relate more to villains in stories. Mm-hmm. And she seemed to, the way I read the question was that, is that okay? Ah. Uh. And, you know, I, the way I answered it to, was that, To give a perfectly good therapist answer, mm-hmm. do you, that depends on how you feel about it. <laughs> well, my <laughs> answer was How do you feel that, about it? Is it okay for you? Uh. I guess, yeah. <laughs> You're such a therapist. <laughs> so the way I responded was that the origin stories are kind of the, the, the richest um, stories, right? And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're the best to relate to. And that we tend to see way more villain origin stories than we do a hero's origin story. Right. right? We see a lot of those throughout uh, a hero's story. For every one hero, you have however many villains. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Every arc, there's a new, you know, origin story for a villain. So, you know, I, I, I told the person that I think... I think that those those stories are the most relatable, and a mm-hmm. lot of people relate to those stories, and that there's absolutely nothing wrong with relating to a villain's story. And one thing that came up back and forth throughout the series is uh, throughout the panel was how fluid you know a person's motivations can be. Like mm-hmm. maybe the original trauma was what started you on the path, but that doesn't mean that that's what you're doing later. You know um, why you're doing it later. And you know I brought up how the Bat Family, you know, half of them inspired each other to be heroes. They didn't necess- They weren't necessarily doing what they're doing because of a trauma. They're doing it because they saw Batman doing something, and and they wanted mm-hmm. to do something good too. So that's kind of how I addressed um, that one. And you're absolutely right. Um, Villains are some of my favorite characters. I mean, I think about, I've been watching a lot of Once Upon a Time again, but I keep going back to Regina. She's like my favorite character. And that show focuses on humanizing people. And so you understand why they do what they do. And um, I think that's a big focus in storytelling now. So to be able to relate to the villains, especially if you get those origin stories and understand where some of their behavior comes from. Um, and some villains even 
um, they think they're doing the right thing um, for the world, even even though it's not uh, necessarily helpful. Um, yeah, lots of villains and superheroes. Lots of villains and superheroes have the same exact origin story. Right. Right. Like the same thing happened to them, but then something else made them change, you know, what yeah. direction they were going in. Yeah. So, I mean, it's totally reasonable to relate to the villains. Yeah. I mean, Once Upon a Time is a good example in that those villains were written as villains by the author. Mm-hmm. Right. So they didn't have a choice even. And, right. And I mean, some people, you know, in some stories, they aren't given much of a choice. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they all have a choice, but they're, it's complicated. Their, their circumstance is so bad and then they're in too deep. But yeah. we see, you know, if you give them enough time, lots of supervillains become at least antiheroes. <laughs> yeah. Some become yeah. heroes. <laughs> you know, the reasons change. Some heroes become bad guys, you know, and, and as long as it's relatable, I think there's, there's no problem there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Another question that came up was about... Um, the Legends of Tomorrow season one, and they asked how the person asked how Leonard Snart, who is Captain Cold in that series, how he at the end of the season he kind of he is a bad guy, but he does something very heroic, and he kind of redeems himself. And he kind of just asked what our opinion um, was about that, and possibly some of the stuff I said just now about you know superheroes changing is is actually came up during that answer. And I told them that one of the that that was a great example because even though Captain Cold is a bad guy in that series, you see that his kind of defining feature on the on the team is that he has a best friend in in Heatwave in Mick, and mm-hmm. he's he's very protective of him. And then you learn that he's also always been very protective of his sister, and that's just who he is. I mean, he steals stuff and he does things that aren't good, but. In his personal relationships, he is very good. And, and again, he's like a protector, a, a, and he cares about the people around him. So it almost didn't seem out of character that he would sacrifice himself to save those people at some point. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that. Um, there was – oh, there was a great question, which was uh, <laughs> they brought up – they said, you know, you're talking about comics and stuff, but um, I don't know if you're familiar with Steven Universe – and I wonder. <laughs> did you get really excited? I did. I I, <laughs> I woo wooed it, and and I was the only one. But that's uh, sad. It is super sad. But I told shame him, on everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> his question was essentially like, "Are you familiar with the show? And do you think we need more shows like it?" Yes. Yes, we need more shows like it. <laughs> yes. That was my response. I, I told him how, you know, he, he, I think he went into it about how the show really touches, um, you know, like it has a lot of emotional depth and it is, it is just a great show for that reason. You know, it's so relatable, the different things that are happening there and the way it deals with emotion. And I brought up uh, a recent episode that has a song called um, Here Comes a Thought. And essentially, it's like one character teaching another how to deal with intrusive thoughts and how to essentially relax. And it is, I mean, how many shows are addressing that? I don't know. But they, it, we definitely need <laughs> more more, um, more Steven Universe. And I was, I was really excited because all of the questions that came up, I knew the franchises. Like, I knew exactly what they were talking about. So I could speak very specifically to them. Yeah. You know, the odds of that happening are... Are not are, are not always good, but uh, this time it, it kind of worked out. And then the last question that was really important, someone came up and said that he was a volunteer on a helpline, and I don't remember he I don't remember specifically what kind of helpline if it was a hotline or, or something else. And the way he described it reminded me of Anxiety Gaming, the organization, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I didn't see him afterwards, so I couldn't ask him, and he didn't go into specifics. But essentially, he said that he he does that um, as a volunteer, but he he f- he's worried that he's not doing the right thing for people. He was he was asking how to help people, and and this one everybody chimed in, and uh, I think it was Liz who who was the first one to say, you know, you need to take care of yourself first. You know, like you need to make sure that if this is overwhelming, you know, don't, 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 don't do it because, you know, you're not doing anybody a favor as if, if it's too overwhelming for you. Um, I think Joe mentioned, you know, there are things that therapists 
don't deal with because it's too hard for them. You know, not everybody can, just because you want to help doesn't mean that you can help everybody. I mentioned that the burnout rate for therapists is is ridiculously high. And Mm -hmm. that's something that people, you know, I don't think we talk about that enough. The helping professions, they're, they're hard and it's overwhelming for a number of reasons. And part of it is, you know, the issues that we're dealing with. So I'm, I'm really glad that we got to have that conversation and we, and, and ultimately, you know, what we said was be open to helping, be open to listening and, and make sure that you're okay and that you are, you know, well rested and, and in the right mindset to, to deal with other people's problems and that, you know, you don't have to fix them. You just need to, the, the best thing you can possibly do in that type of position is to be willing to, to be there for, for people. Yeah, definitely. Because if you're not able to listen and you do try to listen, it's it could make it worse. Um, yeah, yeah. And if again, you're to, not to, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to Joe's point, right? Like, if there's a particular issue that hits too close to home, it's really mm-hmm. good to admit that and say, wait, wait, wait. You know, actually, I'm gonna pass this phone call off just because that's also uh, a big deal for me. And I'm, you know, like today, I can't. I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. And that was uh, everything I can remember from the panel. It was pretty good. And again, I'm I'm glad we got to we got to talk about mental health. I did call out that I don't like that we put mental illness in the title. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to pick on O'Connor. <laughs> it was. Uh, I tried to control myself this weekend, but you know. Of course you did. Of yeah, course. I always. You do. tried. You I always tried. Try. <laughs> I did all right. I did okay. <laughs> You I don't try. know. If, I don't know if I'm if I'm invited back, but I don't think it was too bad. All right, so that's it for the panel. So now, so now, let's talk about thirteen reasons why. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you want, I mean, I'm just saying. We. I think it's. I think it's important. I think yeah. it's important. And now we can go full spoilers because there's. You know, now we both saw it, so. And people have had like two or three weeks of us talking about this show a little bit. So now they should know. Yeah. Yeah. They should have watched it by now. Yes. <laughs> if not, go back and listen to a couple episodes ago or last episode and then go watch the show. <laughs> yeah. Then listen to it. <laughs> this one. So how are you doing after watching 13 Reasons Why? I'm actually doing okay now. Um, but... I think for me, I watched it too quickly. Mm. Um, I watched like two and a half episodes and then two and a half episodes and then like three episodes. And that, like, so I watched a lot at once and it was a lot to process. Um, and I, the, toward the end where it gets even more intense because it keeps building and building. Um, the last two episodes I watched um, just one at a time. And I think I didn't plan it that way, but um, it was really important to do it that way. Also, I warned uh, you last week. I Oh, I know you warned me. I know you warned me. Um, but in the moment I was... So, and I'm specifically talking about episode 13 where they show Hannah's suicide. I was okay in the moment, although I noticed I could not look. And I watch a lot of um, I watch a lot of violence and and zombie movies and gory stuff and like people getting stabbed and all kinds of things. Um, and I, I can handle it, and I don't look away. Um, but this was so uncomfortable for me and I couldn't watch and like I don't and it was it was oh my god she's going even deeper with the razor oh my god she's like screaming and breathing hard and um that was tough um but that was like my face was still I think no one was here with me so that was another thing I was watching it by myself um but my face was kind of blank and then after the the show ended the episode ended um 
that's when I got really emotional and I was like, I, I need to talk to somebody. So I called my wife and I talked to her. Um, and I'm really glad I watched it. Um, <laughs> that was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> and so we, we've covered a lot of it <clears throat> throughout, right? I think, and, and I'm wondering, do you agree in that the, the show ultimately is a, is a story about teenage life? Yeah. About kids in a high school and mm-hmm. just people being shitty to each other. It's just, true. It's <laughs> super relatable, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think so many things in the show they, they got right, um, especially now. I mean, when I was in high school, when we were in high school, there was no – um, like sending pictures around on phones. Like there was, uh, there was the internet, but there wasn't like cyberbullying like now. Um, and it's so easy for things to get out of control, even more so than, um, than you had originally intended it to. Um, several times in the in the sh- in the show someone sends a picture to someone and then it goes to somebody else and then pictures are all over the school um and reputations get ruined and um that causes even more trouble for these kids uh yeah so that's just one of the this this show covers so many things so uh, uh, w- one of those many things <laughs> that uh, we haven't covered so far, which I didn't want to even mention because I didn't want you to you know, see it coming, was mm-hmm. what did you think of Mr. Porter? I wanted to slap him in his face. <laughs> okay, so, so I have, a few, I have a, few, a few things to say, right? One, my impression, and they never say it exactly, but I believe that he's not actually – I think he's a guidance counselor. He's right? not a therapist. He's a guidance counselor. Yeah. Right? That's pretty clear. I think clear. they meant they mentioned in the show something about his training or something. Like, he's not a therapist. He's yeah. Someone, a therapist. right? Someone called him out on that. And he talked about, um, in one scene, he talked about, like, oh, yeah, you know, we talked to the kids about, you know, college. Yeah. So yeah. It was like, that's a guidance counselor. That's not a, a therapist. And so that is one of the things that infuriates me about schools is that they put so much responsibility on these guidance counselors, whether mm-hmm. or not they have a, um, a degree in school psychology or not, right? They, mm-hmm. they're not equipped to deal with that shit. And so I, I, on one hand, on the one hand, I feel really bad for Mr. Porter. Right. And I understand. Especially when he's got to deal with that after there's been so many things happening at the school that he's had to, all these fires he's had to put out. Yeah. And he um, is scared. You know, he is scared that he's going to lose his job or end up worse. You know, he's like, there's a, there's a court hearing. They're going to ask me to testify. What could I have done? You know, and you can see that he feels guilty because he, but he feels guilty because he doesn't even know if he did the right thing or not. And mm-hmm. Mr. Porter doesn't have anybody to talk to, you know, he doesn't no. have a supervisor at the school. He is the head person for the, for that shit. And man, I feel so bad for him, you know? And even, and you know, he makes that comment where it was like, no, the school where I was at, um, you know, our biggest concern was that kids were shooting each other, you know? So mm-hmm. he, he, he's alluding to having worked at some sort of, you know, um, much more difficult school in terms of violence. And, but, mm-hmm. and he seems like, you know, like that was more, almost more comfortable for him than these type of things. I mean, he may have just been like deflecting or something, but I, I felt bad for him. And then at the end, of course, when he's like, you know, maybe you just got to move on. I want to oh. pick up my TV, throw it out the window. The the oh. my the moment for me where I wanted to pick up the TV and throw it out the window was before that. It was when his fir- his go to was um, victim blaming and saying, "Did you do something that you regret?" Like, cause that was before the just move on. And, and so, so that part is like for us, right. For people who, who are, who are in similar situations, sometimes you say something and you're like, shit, like that didn't sound right. Or that's not really what I meant. And I feel that he Mm -hmm. caught himself and he tried to fix that, but then he fucked it up by going with, oh, well, you know. You might as well just deal with it because he's going to be gone in a few months. Move on, he says. And Mm -hmm. before even what, what you mentioned. His cell phone going off on the table and him just looking away while she's talking. 
Mm-hmm. Get the hell out of here. Oh, like I'm glad they showed that because we need to talk about shitty counselors or shitty guidance counselors in a very bad situation that they're not equipped to handle. Right. Because that happens all the time. Oh, mm-hmm. man. You know, and so and like I don't I don't know the school system. I don't know how they're set up. Some schools have a school psychologist on staff. Some have some that come in uh, sometimes. Some um, refer things out, and then counselors or social workers come in. Like there are many different ways to to address these things. But having that one person there who is the only one in charge and not equipped to handle that that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, and the opposite happens where a someone who has the training is put in that position, but then they're also expected to act like a guidance counselor. So their job is in addition to all of the... They're all overwhelmed with having to deal with the college applications yeah, and the grades yep, yep. and all that. And they didn't then, go to school for that. No. Ugh. They paid a lot of money for a degree <laughs> that lets yeah. them... Be a therapist. <laughs> They're paying for the rest of their lives for this degree that pays nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, and I would think, because in the story, in the show, a few episodes before, we find out that they had just lost a kid in a drunk drive. Well, they thought a drunk driving accident. Um, and so you would think that they would have brought in, because some schools do bring in, in intense times, they bring in counselors to deal with things. Um you would think that there would be some extra support in the school. It seems like the school is pretty well off um, with their equipment that they have and and their funding from what I can see. Oh, yeah. That that neighborhood, (laughs) that district, they're well-funded. I'm pretty sure they're well-funded. Yes. They lawyered up no problem. I mean... Right. I think... I mean, you know, any school would, but I'm just saying... They seem to be okay. Yeah. So they could afford some outside counselors to come in and help these these kids. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, and yeah, that's I think I think that that's a big deal, you know? That's something really important to talk about. We could do we could oh, And and yeah. I mean, I think we we've talked about this in the past too, you know? And mm-hmm. and again, I'm glad that there's a negative representation of of what's happening. Um I still okay. So, how do you feel about if he's on the tapes, mm-hmm. and he so he's essentially this is one of the reasons. Not he, he's not a reason, but that experience, that interaction, is a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how do you feel about the the way that the show portrayed? I don't want to say blame because she doesn't. Even if she says blame, I don't feel like she's directly blaming them. She's I kind don't of think explaining. She direct- yeah, she's telling the story, and I, I like the way Clay takes it, that at any given time, one of them could have done something different and it would have changed what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not that they – and it is – they do talk about blame a lot on the show, Um, and I have had clients who have had to deal with – not necessarily suicide, but they blame themselves for their parents dying or yeah. or um, family members dying. And no matter what I have to – like I say that it's it's not your fault. Um, you didn't do this. Their decisions led them to this. Um, what you did – in that, that situation is different. But if I was dealing with any of these kids in the show – you know, some of the decisions may have led to her not killing herself, but ultimately it was on her. And um, and that's very clear at the end, you know? Yes. She, she states that and... She says that at the end, what is it? Yeah. Um, None of you could help me and neither could I. It was something like that. It was something like, um, none of you cared... Enough, or right. Enough. And neither did right. I. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Which again, which as- assumes the responsibility. And again, I I I really appreciate the way that the show showed okay, this is this is something that happened and and it escalated and things kept piling on top of that and on top of that mm-hmm. and on top of that. And this is my story. This is how I got to this point. And it wasn't any one person's fault. 
Yeah. It was everything. Because if the sexual assault happened with Bryce and none of the rest of that had happened, maybe she would have been able to manage it. But she couldn't, and she didn't have the capability to manage what happened to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she was reaching out for help, and that help didn't really come through. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it was so many things, like the just a lot of guilt on top of guilt, on top of just people being shitty, you know, mm-hmm. like a real turning point for me in the in the series, watching it and, and really like feeling like things are, are getting out of hand for her was when when Jeff um, died in the car accident. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, you know? Like, she felt like she was trying to do, like, she, she felt bad about the stop sign. She tried to stop that. And, and then she, she, felt she tried guilty. to do the right thing about that yeah. and go report it. And then she finds out that it didn't do anything. Well, like she was too help. late, essentially. <laughs> yeah, you know, she, was she was too, too late. late, yeah. And so she feels guilty about that. And then she reached out to Clay right after that because that was super overwhelming, the guilt of that. And he didn't want to have anything to do with it, which brings me to, like, Clay was such, like, this is a point where I realized that both of them, um, like, Clay was not equipped to help her at that moment. Like, well, Clay was, and Clay was, he was hurting because he was really close with Jeff. Exactly. Like all of his, essentially, he had three friends in the world and two of them died. Right? Like when the series mm-hmm. starts, two of them have died. The only person he has left is Tony. Yeah. Right? And and that's it. Like he, he seems like, you know, everybody likes him and stuff, but he nobody's really his friend. You know, like the, mm-hmm. Jeff was like the, the guy who treated him the best, you know? And I felt mm-hmm. so bad for Clay. And then again, Clay is hurting so badly that when uh, Hannah comes to him, he's like, I don't, what do you care? You know, like right well, now. And she had just like pushed him away that night at the party. So he's like, he's pissed off at her and he's lost his friend. And he's just like, why are you making this about you? Like I, I didn't, I didn't feel that he was pissed off at her at all because yeah. of what happened the night before. I really felt that it was, you know, he his, might have just been confused and and that well, piled on to the. Well, his reaction was like, "Why are you being nice to me about Jeff? What do you care? You didn't know Jeff, you know." That's yeah, a super yeah. normal reaction, right? And so he's obviously hurting, and and that's it. Like, the, you know, his reaction was. It's really normal, and like I felt really mm-hmm. bad for him. I felt, and that's when I was like, "Shit!" Like things are so bad for her now. Oh, yeah, because he was the only friend she really had left. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, throughout, he was the only person who was nice to her, and you know, in that moment when she's probably feeling the guiltiest, or or really feeling guilt for the for the first time throughout the series, she, you know, and she reaches out for help. It's the worst possible time for her to ask. It's the first mm-hmm. time that he's actually a dick. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And then she can't reach out to her parents because they're so stressed out about money and yeah. and dealing with the the pharmacy they own and the business. And it, but yeah, she feels alone. Um, and she doesn't she doesn't have anywhere to turn. So one thing that I've so I've been reading a lot of coverage on this, and I disagree with with what I've been reading about it being like it not being good that people are watching this show mm-hmm. or that it exists. I, mm-hmm. I, I disagree. I think that, you know, before we started, I wanted to look up the, the um, cause of deaths in uh, cause of death in the United States. Right. And mm-hmm. suicide is always, you know, top three. Right. Yeah. And suicide isn't one of the top three deaths that we see portrayed in media. You know, no. people die of a million different other things or they're hurt by many different things. And it's not a suicide attempt or a suicide. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with us having, you know, like, let's talk about it more. You know, people are talking about suicide now because a show came out on Netflix that's a, that, that puts it front and center. So mm-hmm. I think I think that that's good. I think, it, you know, you're portraying what that, you know, that it happens and it's a unique portrayal. I mean, like I said earlier, I've watched a lot of things that are violent and I've watched a lot of um like bloody gory action movies and things and I've watched TV shows that are um 
like SVU or or like CSI or things like that. And I've seen suicide on those shows, but usually it's like a gunshot to the head or or something like that. This was there was something so haunting about it. Um Yeah, there was I don't think that there's anything glamorous about about this, right? People are like, oh, you know, it's glamorizing suicide. Absolutely no. not. In the wake of this suicide that her family is destroyed. Like, her mom looks horrible, right? Her friends, the, well, friends is a loose term, but... Yeah. nobody's um, better off. The kid, nobody is better off. All the kids are torn up about it. Yeah, yeah, even though they're um, pretending not to, right? It is, right. it is not okay. Like, you see, like, it surprised me that Alex shot himself at the end because mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't even see that coming. You know? No, I saw him. He took it really hard the whole time, and he looked so distraught. But I did not see that coming. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and like it seemed like the hardest thing for him was everybody else, right? It mm-hmm. was how stupid everybody was being, how nobody wanted to to come forward. And you know, there was that part where he, you know, he gets beat up after stopping the car. You know, like he's he's obviously like it's it's getting to him. Like everything is getting to him, right? But I was yeah. still surprised at the end um, that 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 happened, right? And, th- and that's just one example of nobody there was better off. Nobody. Mm-mm. Everything, like, so I don't think, you know, you can say that, oh, yeah, you know, it's making it's making suicide look attractive if everybody was better off and the family got, like, I don't know. They don't even show you what happened in the, in the lawsuit. Like, yeah. you don't even know if they make all that money. I mean, obviously, it's probably going to happen with the way – um, they have tapes and stuff with the proof now, um, but you don't know. You nobody it, like, yeah. I mean, the one thing that you can get out of it that is a positive thing is at the end, Clay reaches out to someone that he used to be friends with and pretty close with a long time ago. What's her name? Sky, um, I think is her name, and yeah. and tries to reach out to somebody who may be hurting. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, like at the end, that's his, the only positive thing. At the end, he's saying. Mess. At the end, he's saying, you know, like we could, we could definitely be better to each other. We can be mm-hmm. better to each other than we were to Hannah. And mm-hmm. at that moment, right, like he sees his friend, and he's like, "I could actually, I could do that right now. Like, I'm not just going to yep. say it; I want to do it." That's that's a fantastic thing to show. Yes. Right. And and Sky doesn't necessarily. I mean, I don't agree that just because she's got like tattoos and stuff that she was, you know, not doing. Okay, well. that was that was one thing that bugged me about the show. Yeah, the number of kids with tattoos. <laughs> there were so many tattoos, and I'm like, they filmed it in Northern California. They never actually say where they are, but you can kind of assume it's in Northern California. California, the, you don't see very many. Like, if kids have tattoos. They're crappy tattoos because it's illegal <laughs> to have a tattoo even with parent permission. So that kind of bugged me that they were just flaunting all these tattoos, um, well, which is you- a very petty thing for me to focus on. But when you're dealing with so many deep things, you know, sometimes you just got to be angry about <laughs> the, the little things. Well, again, like I, they didn't go as far as to say, like, you know. Like, oh, she's she, – let's make her look emo so that, you know, yeah. we know. Like, that that was kind of stupid. But on the other hand, like, her 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 behavior didn't seem to me like necessarily she was not well. Like, she was an artist and she, you yeah. know, worked at the coffee no, shop. No, she was just she, angry and – Yeah, and she actually all. reached out to Clay, you know, like she – you know, when he was, like, scratching the car and stuff. Like, she – I don't know. But, again, if they were trying to just make her look emo or something, that's not not working. Um, so, so I saw a trailer for 13 Reasons Why earlier today when I was yeah. watching something else and they made it look like a teenage romance drama. Oh no. And with, with a song by Selena Gomez, uh, playing. <laughs> Cause Selena Gomez is one of the producers. Yeah. Yeah. And then right at the end, like, it's like, it's like Clay and Hannah's love story. And then at the end he sees her, it's one of those things where he sees her, standing in the middle of the hall and then he looks behind him and it's the locker memorial. Uh, yeah. So just for a moment you see that she died. Right. And maybe you understand that by seeing that the locker is full of pictures and flowers and stuff. But I thought that's a pretty disingenuous um, trailer. Yeah. I don't know how you advertise a show 
that's narrated by a girl who who killed herself and is telling you all the reasons why she did it. But you mm-hmm. can just say that instead of showing yeah. it like this really nice romance series, which I'm sure is why it's apparently a big hit and lots of kids are watching it. And I have to say, like, a lot of people are talking about how it romanticizes suicide. I do have to say that some kid I've heard a lot of middle school kids are watching this. I feel like parents should be watching it with their kids. So this to is discuss this, it. Yeah. So so that's that's like. 100% that's always across the board, right? I mean, they can't – they can put a, a – I think it's TVMA, right? So it has a rating. Now, like, parents have to use fucking parental controls, and they don't. Yes. And, and so don't. if you know that they're watching it, right, like, the more we – the more people talk about it, hopefully parents will talk to their kids about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there are guides out there for talking about the series and all that stuff. But and there is a documentary afterwards behind the right. The and reasons. what I what I appreciated about Beyond the Reasons is that it's an episode that automatically plays after the last episode. So I still think that that's not. I still have a problem with that in the sense that after watching the thirteen episodes, it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it plays automatically. It depends it on does. what device you're using. Depends on what device you're using because it's mm-hmm. not actually episode fourteen. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. I'm going to check right now. It didn't play for I me. Ju- it, it just did it for me. I think they did that. What device are you watching it on? I was wa- It did it on, on my Comcast uh, cable box. And it did on my... Uh, I asked my friend when she was watching on her iPad and it went there. Yeah, see? 13 Reasons Why. That's not episode 14. Huh. Because it even did on my cable box, it will do, um, normally it takes like 15 seconds for it to count down, mm-hmm. but with these episodes, it went five seconds, and then it went automatically to the next episode. So so let's say that it's on some devices, it does do that, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. I was doing it on, Apple, on an old Apple TV, it didn't do that. But let's say, let's say that it does. That still means, like what, what I want to get at is that the show does have a, like a content warning in front of three episodes. I was wrong last week. Yes. It definitely we're happens. Wrong. Yeah, it definitely happens on the on the last episode. But then that's it. It's like, hey, shit's about to get real. And there is no, you know, there's no PSA. There's no helpline number to call. The suicide hotline number doesn't come up, you know? Um and so to get no, you have to go to the um, to the beyond the reasons, and then it gives you a website. So okay. even if you're on a device that does have the that does play immediately afterwards, you still have to possibly play through the through the credits or watch something mm-hmm. else, right? And then wh- during that something else, parts of it are a PSA because mm-hmm. the whole thing is in a PSA. No. Only parts of it are. Most of the bottom of most of it they have the website with the info at the bottom of it. Yeah. So um, it's just like it's more work, right? To go to. Right. And if you're a kid watching it, are you going to do that? You know? Yeah. I if don't... they were gonna have that website on there, they probably could have put it in the intro. Um, on the on the intro where it has like little have the music and then the tape on there and the number they could have ran the the URL at the bottom. Like I told you how how much I loved that I, in the magicians two episodes right there was rape there was suicide boom like as soon as the episode ended mm-hmm. right I, I sent you the videos right it's like yes you did a split second and then the 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 helpline numbers are on the screen. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't even it comes on before the credits. It's like this this is important. This this matters. You know? Yeah. And so I feel that in the grand scheme of things, if there was some sort of agenda with the series, which again, the show is not a PSA. Mm-mm. It's a drama. A pretty good drama, actually, which I think I actually enjoyed. But if it's if it's I think it's still irresponsible in not putting those PSAs there. Right. Again, I have I have mixed feelings about this, but it I don't see I don't see how it's a problem to include that. Mm-hmm. Is there anything is there anything else that you want to talk about regarding the series? Anything else that was on your mind? 
I don't I don't think so. I think we covered it. I think we covered it. All right. So now a very important question. <gasps> do you think there should be a season two or do you want a season two? I don't want a season two. Why don't you want a season two? Because what are they going to do with season what are, The whole point of the first season was it was narrated by Hannah. So what are they going to do? There's 13 more tapes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I don't what, think that's Alex what left a bunch of tapes. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, that would be that would be absurd, right? That And it would also oh, that would not be responsible either. What? Showing another kid with a bunch of tapes like copying like oh, I don't I don't know. Yeah, 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 like showing like it's a copycat thing. And then it makes it even, what did people start calling it online, um, suicide revenge fantasy? Hmm. Yeah. Again, like I felt, I felt like that at the beginning, but by episode mm-hmm. three, that, that feeling was gone. And yeah, no, this show, it, it definitely hit home and I, I liked it a lot. So, so um, I'm, so I'm torn on the, on the second season thing because from, so they told the story of the book, of the novel, right? Right. But I heard the book has a different ending. So so let's let's explain what that is. The book was published 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. In it, Hannah dies. When they what? published it, when they published it 10 years later, he included what was his original idea for the ending, which was that she survived. And he included what? it additional, like an like a like uh, extra material in the book. He didn't change it. I read an article huh. where it said that, and I, was, and I started looking it up, and and I read interviews with and stuff with him when the tenth anniversary edition came out, and and so that's actually what happened. Some 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 news sites got it mixed up. So again, his original okay. idea was that she survived, but then he changed that, his mind. So it was never published that, that, that way. That makes me sad because the whole time I was watching, because I related to Hannah so much and I, she reminded me, I didn't have all those traumatic experiences happen to me, but her personality and everything reminded me of who I was in high school. Um, like the whole time, I'm like, why? I, I almost forgot that she dies. Like, I almost forgot and through most of the episodes. And I'm just like, oh, why can't, can, can they just be lying? Surprise! She yeah. lives. So, so I thought like that until we saw her grave. Mm-hmm. Once we saw her grave, I was like, oh, I guess, I guess we know for sure. Yeah. And then Tony yeah. said he saw the body. I was like, damn it. Okay. <laughs> She's not hiding somewhere. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it. I, again, I think it, the show did that really well and that we liked the character so much that even though we knew she died, we hoped that maybe she didn't. Mm-hmm. And and so, so yeah, so we cleared that up about the, the last part. But the, the actual, um, the idea of a second season, right, is, would mm-hmm. be completely separate from the book. The writer doesn't actually have that written out. So there is no story post what we saw in the series. But I mean, in a sense, it was like, there was so many cliffhangers. Like you don't know what happened to anybody at the end. And I know Al- Alex is, they said he was critical in the hospital. They didn't say he died. Yeah, exactly. And, and all this stuff is happening. Like what's going to happen to these kids? What's going to happen to the school? What's going to happen to Mr. Porter? To the parents. Like there's all that. And, and there's still like, I like clay. Like I want to, I want to kind of know, I mean, Clay's like driving off into the sunset. So I don't feel that there's enough for another 13 episodes necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that the format would be the same. But I, the way that the, the Netflix people are talking about it, first of all, they keep calling this season one. Oh, and, yeah. and they've said that there are possibilities for a, for a sequel. And it's been so popular that I wouldn't be surprised if there is a sequel, sequel series. And I think it would be very different. But I think I think that they could take that opportunity to address other issues, you know? Yeah. Because everything we we addressed in the in the first season is addressed from the lens of Hannah, right? Mm-hmm. And to an extent from Clay, right? Like, from Clay, like Clay, like the storytelling element of it is so. I don't know. I, I really loved it. The fact that all of these, all the other kids know. He's mm-hmm. learning little by little, and he's really hesitant to learn more. Yeah. And you already know the end, but you have no idea what happened in between. And mm-hmm. so you're, you're experiencing it with him, but it's still Hannah's story. 
and there's a lot of other stuff going on. Like the kid with the with the drug addict mom and the dealer in the house. Um, what the fuck is gonna happen to Bryce, that fucking monster? You know, like yeah, I want to see yeah. something happen with him. You know, because he. What's gonna happen to Jessica? Is she gonna get stronger? Um, yeah, yeah. Like she opened up to help. her. She opened up to her dad at the end, right? So like, what's gonna happen there? Um, but again, but like Bryce, like what happens to kids like that? Those. Assholes like that exist in the world. They are around, mm-hmm. you know? Like, why Why don't we show, you know, like, uh, it, now, in this sense, I don't know. There it could get into revenge fantasy territory, mm-hmm. you know? If everybody that, that, that was on those tapes kind of gets screwed over in some sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think, I think that they left it open for tons. There's tons of material there for a second something. It doesn't have to be 13 episodes. Um but there's there's a lot of room for for more stories there in that school, you know. You could even mm-hmm. call it something different. But I think I think it might happen, just because of how successful it is. And again, ultimately, it's not a PSA; it is a drama. It's I a think good there drama. might be more. It's a pretty good <laughs> drama. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm glad we finally got to talk about it. So thank you for listening to Geek Therapy. For more Geek Therapy, visit geektherapy.com, at Geek Therapy on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. We're part of the Geek Therapy Network. We have six shows now. Check us out. Six. Six. That's more than you can count on one hand. It's at a point now where I can't listen to every episode, I think. It's just too much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you already have to listen to every episode for at least three of them. Yeah. Because you edit. (laughs) I edit three of them. This is true. (laughs) It's okay. Um, and and there will be more to come. So I'll, from from this point forward, I may never listen to every episode on the Geek Therapy Network, which is exciting. And you can find <laughs> all those shows at geektherapy.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. You've just listened to Geek Therapy on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. <laughs>